Osiris. Hi, this is Lucas Nelson with Promise of the Real, and the podcast you're listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop. Welcome in to episode 114 114 of the Bluest Tape. I'm Harvey Couch alongside my good friend, Mr. Jeff Kolath. Jeff, how you doing, man? I'm fine. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. We're I both, mean, uh, coming off North Carolina vacations. That's true. You were in the mountains. I was in the, at the lake. Yep. On the edge of the mountains. You had a good time. We did some solid uh, family time and mountain time, and uh, it was good. It was good. I, I, you know, it's finally like hot here in Memphis. Are getting hot in Memphis, and so it was nice being in this in, in inside of a cloud for when it was like sixty five yeah, right? degrees. Uh, um, that was like when we went to forty eight forty eight a couple of years ago, and at snowshoe, and you're on the top of the mountain, and mm-hmm. it's yeah chill it's nice um jeff i am super fired up about this show tonight we're barely going to do any of this live because we recorded two awesome interviews with uh, yeah really good that we're going to play for the folks tonight um i think like it's up there with our 100th episode when we oh wow completed the uh the bracket challenge and we the longest the longest, the longest challenge in history. Yep. Yeah. And um, we talked to Michael Palmasano, who guested with Humphreys McGee. Yeah. That's unreal. I'm so stoked for him. Uh, well, maybe we have to get him back and have him, his, him talk about Kids out there, I mean, anything can happen if you just put yourself on the YouTubes. <laughs> That's literally all it Liter- takes. Literally all it takes. No. <laughs> Obviously, Michael's a really talented guy, but without the benefit of the YouTube... Uh, he would not have been able to do that, or so. people would not have, you know, learned how awesome he is. Yeah, so. it was great. It's I, I mean, I'm not a huge Humphreys guy, but I watched that clip and it sounded awesome. Yeah. Um. So here's here's the schedule for tonight. We've got um, we talked to Mr. Ted Rockwell, uh, who gave us the preview of the Red Rocks run, and he attended all four of those shows. And I talked to him last night about uh about the shows and he gave his his two pennies worth and uh apparently it was a little wet a little couple couple raindrops <laughs> i heard tell yes <laughs> and uh so we'll go into that and and then um just a little bit ago we talked to a couple of folks in wilmington uh, to preview the shows at wilmington this weekend um uh jeff hansen who is a friend of the podcast uh the uh He's the guy who put together the Earth Will Swallow You and the Live at Oak Mountain DVD and also the, the cult classic Scrapple. Have you ever watched Scrapple, Jeff? I did, yes. Okay. I mean, like everybody probably watched it after the Earth Will Swallow You. Did, you, right. watch, did you see it before the Earth Will Swallow You? I Are think you I might. I'm, cool? I'm, yeah, I was. Well, I still am. But yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I was. I'm pretty sure I was that cool. Great soundtrack to Scrapple. Um, yeah. But anyway, so Jeff Hansen 
and then uh, Bo Gunn, who's the first time I met Bo, uh, but apparently is a is a, a, a friend of the pod, fan of the pod, and uh, which is force. awesome. A, a force for good in Wilmington, North Carolina. I mean, for real. And so okay. I'm super excited for you guys if you're not familiar with uh, with Bo Gunn. But yeah, he is getting. He's doing the work. He's doing the people's work in yes. Wilmington. And I, uh, I will say that. Um, you know, I was I I had zero FOMO about Red Rocks. Even if Red Rocks would have been like the perfect face melting run, I don't. I still don't think I would have. I would have been like, yeah, it was cool. Mm-hmm. But like, I think I might have a little FOMO about Wilmington after talking. Yeah. To Bo. like I yeah. feel like that's just that, that's going to be a throwdown. It's going to yeah, be I agree. I, I really do think because that is yeah, they're going back. They're getting to the backyard. You know what I mean? They're going home and. Uh, I like it. So, so that's what we have. We've got those two, uh, two interviews we're going to share with you guys. And, um, anything that any, any news of note that we need to, uh, to talk to people. I mean, I can't believe we're in the middle. I mean, it's mid July, Jeff, like we're almost halfway through the summer. We're, 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 we're recording this. We're recording this during the midsummer classic. That's true. Yeah. Um, um so I watched the home run derby last night. It was, Pete Alonzo's dancing uh, was yeah. pretty entertaining. Even even when the uh, the shagger, the young shagger in the outfield got hurt, <laughs> Pete Alonzo's still dancing. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think it's uh, it's great to kind of get in this groove with shows and uh, hopefully more of this conversation between us and sirens in the background. Uh, just to Sounds remind like- everybody where I am: <laughs> cicadas and sirens. It's Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> I'm just some yeah. random. At least it's fire. Um, but uh, but no, I think um, you know I was all I came all prepared with all kinds of notes about One Tree Hill in mm-hmm. honor of Wilmington. Um, all kinds of really strong takes about uh, the Connells. Um, I think it's the Connells. Oh, the Connells. Sure the then there you go. So my takes are already out the window. And they, I think, I think they're uh, they're reuniting for a new album and tour. Honestly, like, I, I think I saw you, that recently. Where do you find where do you find this information? Is this about, on a, is this on a secret spread net? I don't know about. No, no there's there's this new website uh, where people share information. It's it's Facebook.com. Oh, in there. But you the, can is it on the dark webs. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's the net. It's internet two points web two point oh. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, I, um, can I, can I tell one quick story before we go? I'll tell it very quick. quick. It needs to be quick. Very, very quick. Um, you asked me what's been going on lately. I've been having incredibly vivid dreams lately, but the dreams I've been having are recurring. They're all about record shopping and they're all about flipping through records. But the thing that is like jarring about it is that I'm actually creating records. Like I'm not digging through records that I've seen before. They are brand new records or of bands that I know, but they are in foreign language. So I had a dream the other night that I was flipping through a bunch of records at Shangri-La Records here in Memphis, Tennessee, flipping through a bin. And I was flipping through and there was a copy of a Rodriguez record. Do you know Rodriguez? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was like this lost Rodriguez record. I completely made up the cover and the font and everything. And on the back, everything was in uh, Punjabi. Wow. Like, I'm not making that up. 
that, that's amazing. That, yeah. I mean, that's really, that's kind of, a, I mean, that's, that's so that's, not a, that's not a nightmare. I mean, those are good no, dreams. No, but it was, but uh, that's, uh, so if anybody wants to know where my head's been at lately, that's where it's been. It's been about, okay. it's, strange been, place. it's been there. So that's pretty strange. But anyway, um, I'm going to stop talking. I just wanted to share that with our seven, seven or 27 followers. Yeah, so um, we were trying to decide which interview to do first, if we should do the Ted Rockwell Red, Red Rocks or the Jeff Hansen and Bo Gunn Wilmington preview. And we figured because what we do on this podcast is look backward and not forward, it makes most sense to start mm-hmm. with the look back, right? Jeff? That's where we are in America right now, Harvey. It just makes sense to just keep going back. Like but, um, 1870s at this point. <laughs> But I do, I do encourage everybody to hang out, um, and yeah. and uh, we'll probably we'll come back on in between them, and then the Wilmington thing. Will, I mean, Ted and I talked for a while. I told like when we set it up, I was like, Ted, just like fifteen minutes. I just wanted like let's just we'll do a high level recap, and then it was like forty five minutes later, and uh, it's you know the God knows he knows his panic. So that's good panic. That's for sure, and uh, yes, and uh, Jason would. We do need to bring back Spreadnote if we can make that work. I, I've been told by a little birdie that the archives do exist, mm-hmm. but that but that because the internet was a different place back then, that there's some we were copyright fear. Well, I think we're oh, no, just like fears of dropping some things that yeah. right, like that there you know there are people in different positions that maybe would not have said the kind of things that they said on the internet. <laughs> back when we thought it was just an email to like 20 friends and not, right. you know, out on the internet, which is, you know, fair, but we should start over. I mean, would you do digest or would you do the individual messages? I think I did individual messages when I first started and then it got a little out of, as, as it grew, it got out of hand. And then yeah. I took, then of course there was the switch to Digipanic, right. which was, you know, like this, the, you know, where all the, 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 the cool talk, kids hung out. The cool kids hung out at Digipanic. And then, um, but that's where all my, so I never posted, I don't think I rarely posted on Spreadnet, but I posted a lot on DigiPanic and there's a lot of, uh, I would, I would like to read my show reviews that I used to post because I'm sure they're awful. I'm sure. I'm sure they are. Awful. But I thought they were so great at the time. <laughs> so poignant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can get those. If whoever, we'll, we'll talk to as the archives and be like, can you just, can you just pull out the things that have Jeff Kolath or Arthur Moore? <laughs> tagged on him because we just want to see his reviews please he's given permission yeah all right um well thanks everybody for joining us uh, we've you know enjoying this new format and hope that you are too it's been fun um so we're gonna go now to uh, a chat i had with uh ted rockwell we talked about the the red rocks run and uh and i'm gonna see if i can make this work because it's technology stuff is can be a little challenging sometimes so let's see if i can do this i'm going to pull it up here all right joined by friend of the podcast mr ted rockwell ted have you dried off from the red rocks run yeah just barely um my underwear are in the dryer right now you might hear it buzz it's just next to me here um Uh, wow so as we record this we are you are what three two and a half what are we three weeks right post uh, yeah. Or two and a half weeks post. Uh, it's one day from the Sunday show. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into, uh, you know, obviously 
the shows themselves, uh, your experiences and, and the band and sort of the vibe there. Um, how do you, with hindsight, do you, and cause we talked about this, I feel like going into it, how the mission ballroom show is going to align with the entire weekend. And is it its own thing or is it part of the whole run? How do you, do you, do you, now that you have hindsight, what do you feel about that? Is it, is it its own thing? Was it its own moment separate from the, from the outside shows? It was in a sense, it it was clearly the first show back and Mm. um, it belonged to Red Rocks because it really primed the pump so to speak, mm-hmm. for what was about to come <clears throat> right down to the point that, you know, they covered Hatfield third song in, which right. they played Hatfield third song in, which the voodoo, you know, <laughs> like, did, did you know that was that, I mean, was that a known thing? Like you were going into, <laughs> I want to get into the weather when we get yeah. into the Red Rock shows, but like, was the forecast that it was going to be pretty gross all weekend? And- yeah. So the week before it had been over a hundred degrees, three or four times in Denver. And so we were really worried about the heat mm-hmm. and turning the corner towards the mission ballroom. We'd seen, Oh, we have this, what they call a monsoon flow coming in and hit, you know, hitting the line for mission ballroom was literally coinciding with the forecast for the first chance storms. So while we're waiting in line with, I don't even know, 5,000 other freaks, by the way, it was not half sold. This place was more than half sold. Um, I'm here to testify. I had good, good vantage point and it was more than half sold. And the, 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 it got windy and the clouds came in and it sprinkled on us. And there was this moment where we were still 45 minutes from going in and we're like kind of getting wet and mm-hmm. kind of in a big crowd for the first time in a long time. Like sure. this is the first time COVID times um, being that close to a lot of people waiting in line to get to the mission. So it was a little anxiety producing, right? But we, and we knew rank would come. We've also said to ourselves, you know, panic always gets so lucky um, this time of year. Um, so yeah, when they did play the, the Hatfield, we were f- for sure like, holy crap, we're in for it. Like we kind of knew it. I, uh, the, the, one of my friends, Peter, um, he's seen panic since the very early days. He's, he, he's helped with promoting it since the very early days. He was right behind me with Lauren Hatfield and he was kind of above me. So I grabbed his ankles like this and he kind of looked down. He knew I was there, but he was sort of like, what? And I'm like, it's going to rain. He's like, dude, it is gonna rain. <laughs> we were just, uh, so anyhow, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sure. Okay. Right? Going into the weekend, right. Mission ballroom. You asked me whether it was a precursor. I don't think so. I'm going to tell you, um, wondering right out of the gate. It, it was, first of all, the greeting that everyone gave the band was pre- they had to start the music. Otherwise we would have still, we'll still be there screaming right now. Mm-hmm. Like we kept, kept going. Um, and uh, you know, I cried, uh, you know, why must I lay low in a room full of strangers? I mean, that, that is, that is such a, you know, we talked here, right? Everybody talked to you is what's the pick, what's the first show song back. And I mean, I feel like wondering is more in the vein of imitation leather shoes, like you said, than you know, something real on the nose, but it is like, if you think, I mean, even though you can maybe consider it as like one of their more kind of pop songs, there's a lot of stuff going on lyrically. I mean, I, I wouldn't, uh, there was a, there was a window uh, of time that I was apart from my wife geographically, we were together and, um, 
I saw Panic at the Palace in 2000 and they played Wonder and it was the song that like knocked me over that show because of all the things that were going on in, our, in my life at that time. And so it's just really weird, right? So it's awesome that that was the one and that you had the same, you know, that that had that vibe. I don't, I don't know if this is the case. I've never spoken to anyone about this, but I feel like Wondering was, was written by JB, maybe even with Hauser about some of Hauser's experiences with social anxiety. And mm. so many lines from that ring true for just being a human being. Right. And then going through this thing that we've all just been through, it was just like, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. it took my breath away. Literally, it was yeah. one of those th- moments where, and it, they just were unrelenting from there. I'm not going out west, it, you know, is a fantastic song. There's so many different things in there about, you know, kind of not being appreciated at the same time, trying to bust through something, trying to like overcome the odds with a little nod to maybe, you know, you're not as good as you think you are, <laughs> mm. right? Uh, there's, there's, oh, it's just one of those things. Hatfield is also about someone who, you know, is cooking up science and no one's believing him. And then he's mm. more successful than anyone would have wanted maybe. Um, anyhow, it just kept going. That first set was really, really well played. If you haven't heard it, um, big deal. You know, when they get to ribs and whiskey, it was Every, the, the lights Hoffman brings the lights up and everyone's going freaking bananas. Let me just mention to you that the mission ballroom is really a special place. I've been there now and um, I hadn't been before this. It's a really nice room. It sounds great in there. It's built for fans, really easy parking. There's all sorts of dinner options just to the South of there in the Rhino district um, the, the ticket prices do run a little heavier than places like Red Rocks, but dang, it is a great place. I had the best time there. Super sight lines, um, great floor. You know, the only complaint I would have is that the whole thing is like stadium seating, but all cement, right? There's no mm. benches. It's just a cement like thing, which is great because there's mm. no accoutrement. You can't trip over anything two things to keep in mind about the venue. One, it's all concrete. So your feet, I'm 52 this year in a week, I'm 52. And so my feet, you know, in concrete, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure widespread panic owes me some sort of orthopedic <laughs> surgery, my knees and my ankles and my feet. The other thing is that um, getting in and out of the, the, you know, the stands, it's, there's not a lot of light when the show's on. So if you have, if you want to bring a little pen, like, you know, flashlight with you, you can fit in your pocket. Highly recommended, especially if a date you know, that might have heels or anything like that. You're definitely going to want some some sort of lighting. Anyhow, they turn the corner on ribs and whiskey, and it's like the entire place is going berserk, right? Mm-hmm. And the lights are up, and you really got this sense that holy shit, this place is just unhinged. And then mm-hmm. the heart of gold, heart of gold. There's a giant disco ball. I want to say it's 25 or 30 feet wide. It's the biggest one I've ever seen. It's an LED uh, disco ball. So they had it glowing gold and just like flying around. And everyone, I mean, it was like huge. uh, Ribs of Whiskey started the sing-along and then they just kept going, right? People were like, it was absolutely magical, right? You could really feel that everyone had kind of, come together in a moment right and then typical panic they're like we don't want to get too happy he's back. He's back. right but then they turn they turn the corner into this part of town visiting day which was very emotional 
Um, I'm not going to go song by song in through the whole four night run, by the way, <laughs> like this set in particular, they turn Thursday, it's knocking around the zoo. That was maybe the highlight of the entire weekend for me, by the way, um, they played really, don't get me wrong. And some rarities and things never played before after this, right. but my legs were back right there. Right? I, I really felt like I was back. I'd forgotten about what was happening before. And mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was time to celebrate, right? There was there was a real palpable sense. We turned a corner there. So um, anyhow, second set it, was. Uh, it seems that well, the first set seemed just really well, like especially you walked through, it just sort of well crafted, right? And sort of, you know, not. I mean, you say sort of a traditional set, but like they know how to make us. They know how to put together a set list, right? And that and that's the that's that's just how they do it. That's just. just it was like, pretty clear. Know, they did not phone this in and they'd had the opportunity to, to rehearse there for a few days, mm -hmm. which apparently now is, is a thing. Billy and, and the kids. So Bill strings and Billy strings and uh, Billy Kreutzman among others mm -hmm. uh, formed a super group called Billy and the kids. And they're right. playing at Red Rocks tonight and tomorrow night. They've been rehearsing at the mission ballroom the last few days. Oh, wow. This is a great thing. Like I am, yeah. I'm super psyched that we've got this going on in our town. Right. Um, so it was definitely not a phone in. They they were on their on point. They were playing really well. There was a lot of moments where you felt like they could just jam out. Um, and the second set brought them in spades. Mm -hmm. um, the second set was really them kind of expanding on the theme of we're gonna fucking rock your socks off and see how hard we can go. Um, gosh, I mean. Sleepy Monkey was such a highlight for me. There is a time. What a freaking great song that is. Yeah. Um, so happy that that ended up in the rotation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And then a surprise with, well, the B of D was pretty off the hook. There's a lot of stuff in here. Surprise Valley was a big surprise for me, though. You thought um, that was going to be at the rocks, right? I mean, that's. Absolutely thought that was right. going to be at the rocks. Um, I liked that it was is here, actually. Mm -hmm. it took the pressure off of some stuff that was going on at Red Rocks. I think sure. they knew the weather was going to be for shit. And mm. it was better to do this inside with hope in a hopeless world, kind of sandwiched right in, in the middle. Yeah. Just beautiful. Um, anyhow, it, it, it was it was a rocked out show all the way around. This was not a phone in. This was not a benefit concert. Yes, mm. we did a good thing. You know, we, they did a good thing. But holy geez, it was a really fun time and so great to get back at it. And, and really no afterthought. Um, this was clearly the start of something special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you know, there was not concern, but right. That you could have thought that that would have been sort of an ease in night. Right. And that everything was all the the heavy hitters would have been held back for the for the weekend. Maybe a couple, you know, covers or something, but that it was going to be kind of straightforward. But it seemed like they were that this was the launch pad for the weekend, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. So, so tell me, so tell me about what the weekend was like. Again, you're now dry. <laughs> you're you're almost all the way dried out. Yeah. So, have you ever been more wet in your life, Ted? Ever? That's a really good question. There are a couple of times I can think of. This ranks. This ranks up there for weather related. Um, concert experiences for sure. Um, mm -hmm. There's a couple of others at Red Rocks um, that I've experienced. Maybe we could do that another time. Um, mm -hmm. But going into this, we knew here's here's the joke among people who maybe live here and go to a lot of Red Rocks, in particular, widespread panic Red Rocks. Let's bring our rain gear as insurance because then for sure it won't rain. Well, we had our rain gear. Now here, 
if you go to say Telluride bluegrass, right? Rain gear means a very specific thing. At Red Rocks, you usually can get away with a nice hooded rain jacket that you can zip up with some pockets. Uh, and that usually will do it. And, and then footwear that isn't going to just get soaked right away. Flip-flops, not recommended, right? So we're in a... Now, is this because... Of, I'm not a meteorologist, but is this because of the the length of the rain or the volume of the rain? It's you most, know, like you're, you'd expect just a little storm or if it does rain, it's going to be not so heavy. What's the yeah. strategy behind there? Usually, usually in Colorado, we don't get rain, rain, rain. It doesn't rain solid. It's like a... Mm. Passes, but it can be really intense, and there could be a mm. lot of water with it. And by the way, for all of you people who live in places that aren't at altitude, it is cold. Mm-hmm. It's cold, cold, cold rain. We never have warm rains here, and mm-hmm. so it, there's a very real chance that if you're just wearing a t-shirt and you're not taking it seriously, you can give yourself hypothermia just standing outside in the middle of the summertime. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a real thing, and that has happened. I've seen people get slightly hypothermic at Red Rocks. Um, so we were prepared and it started raining on us in line before we were getting in about a couple, I think an hour and a half before it rained pretty significantly. We, we had to hide out underneath tarps and anyhow, and we'd gotten pretty wet in that. And then it let up a little bit as we were getting in and then it started raining again. And it essentially rained from that moment until partway through the second set on the second night. And then it rained again just after that until like Tuesday. It just kept raining. And so that's unusual for us. I mean, it has it happens, but it's not especially that weekend. It usually happens this time of year rather than then, or maybe even a little later than this. Mm. So it rained like crazy. Um, the first night was the worst of the rain. So let's do a review of the rains. Um, Friday night, the rain was the worst. Um, Saturday, we were relatively prepared, everyone, but it mm-hmm. was a little more mild. And then Sunday, it rained a lot. And it would rank pretty high, uh, two in the one, two, three ranking category. Having said that, once we got in, there was all sorts of stuff going on, shenanigans. When we did the running of the tarps, the um, uh, the, the crew um, played, uh, what did they play? Oh, gosh. It's not the bitches back. It wasn't Elton John. <laughs> It was, <laughs> but it was, it was, uh, yeah. Oh fuck. I can't remember now. So there was that. And then there was all sorts of people like leading chants and people holding up banners. And there was just all sorts of stuff that we hadn't seen before. Um, lots of people like seeing one another for the first time in a long time. A lot of, a lot of people just, yeah, in the moment, hugging one another. There was a lot of reconnection going on that was hard to do anything but admire. Um, it was a really interesting situation to have everyone, all of these people who have spent a lot of time together, but then not see each other come back together. It was, mm-hmm. gosh, wow, I'm at, I'm at a loss for words. That wasn't very eloquent at all, but um, no, but I mean, it's been two years, right? And, you know, yeah. and so a lot, of, I would assume a lot of high fives and a lot of, you know, a lot of hugs. Um, and, you know, yeah. At first, there were a few people like, oh, you know, trying to figure out the hug thing. And then <laughs> it just kind of like one guy who will remain nameless, um, he, he came over and just gave me a huge bear hug. And his wife was like, honey, you didn't ask him whether you should hug him. And he said, it's head though. 
it's Ted. Yeah. <laughs> right? it, that kind of thing was going on like right. crazy. So, um, so how, from the moment you get in until showtime and, and the show started on time, right? I mean, that was, is that a new, that seems like kind of a rarity or new thing. Yeah. I've never seen this happen with widespread panic at Red Rocks ever. Like Mm -hmm. never, ever. They, they started within seconds um, of 7 PM on Friday and Saturday. Um, And then Sunday they were slightly delayed, but only modestly, maybe 15 minutes. And it was all weather. And I think it's all weather is the theme to the podcast Mm -hmm. um, and why they were starting exactly on time. Here's, here's what I know is that, they played a fortnight run several years ago and we had a lightning stoppage at the very first night and they, they stopped and they stopped and they waited and they waited and then they started up again and they played a full show and they went well past curfew. And I mm-hmm. think that they ended up spending a bunch of money out of their own pockets to end up. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very expensive. I think that that was fresh on their minds um, going into this weekend. Also knowing that they were every dollar is going to people who need it, right? They, right. they need to make as much money as possible because they've been out off the road for a long time. And so I believe that it was a, a weather strategy. If you start right. on time and then you have a delay, you still have enough time to get in your contracted show, right? You can, mm-hmm. and give the fans what they paid for. I mean, I right. think they're, they're taking that pretty seriously too. Yeah. And I would think artistically, like they wanted to get the shows in, you know what I mean? I'm sure they had them all mapped out. It wasn't like you, you didn't want to drop an encore from one of these shows if you didn't have to. Right. right. So just start on time. What a concept for an old <laughs> guy like me. I'm all about it. Yeah. Well, and there, there was a strict regime at Red Rocks. There's a lot of um, neighbors who are complaining very actively as of this moment about mm. the noise at Red Rocks. And even though the the venue really has tamped it down and really tried to get it under control, the neighbors continue to be involved. And so I think that there's also a certain amount of that happening at the venue level, too. I mean, I certainly respect uh, neighbors, but I mean, it's not like they didn't realize that there was a a music venue next to close to their house when they I mean, unless I don't know how long they've been living there, but. I'm I'm relatively local, and so no. No, no, that was me. No, the, the, the views of the hosts of this podcast are not reflected to the guests. That's I, I think it's it, there is a certain NIMBY thing going on there that I, I don't really yeah. approve of. Initially, the complaints I think were really well founded because of EDM concerts. There was some big bass rattling yeah. through there, and so I totally get that. But yeah. you know, there's been music happening there for well over a hundred years, and, and maybe longer than than we can all historically remember. So uh, yeah, people need to live live in the communities they live in and accept right. it for all of it, not just the beautiful, but also the flaws, the things that sure. don't agree with you. Um, <laughs> okay. okay, so highlights, first night, I'm not alone, encore or opener. That's crazy. I mean, that's a that's a hair that's a hair on your arm razor, you know. I mean, I have still uh like vivid memories of New Year's '95 and making of that song of everybody singing along and never having experienced anything like that before uh, on the oh, "No, You're All Here" part. So that that was pretty nice. I got th- I gotta say, I really I agree. And going into then um, a slow porch song, mm. it's a very like it is a subdued way to start mm. in a way. Yeah. But man, it was fantastic. It was it was really. I don't think there was anyone complaining as they turned the corner out of the slow part song, song and disco got the whole place going. Right, mm-hmm. a really fun way to like 
because it's it's hard getting in that venue, guys. It, it, mm-hmm. it was raining on us. <laughs> we had been sort of like, oh, you know, you're looking forward to the weekend, and your energy's still up, but at the same time, there is a bit of a damper. And so to mm-hmm. have kind of a beautiful opening with a hit you in the face kind of disco Roberta situation, good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So any other highlights on on night one that that you want to? The pigeons uh, is well worth. People should seek it out. Um, it's no. a good one uh, for sure. Um, turning the corner into the second set, you know, uh, busted big is a crowd pleaser. That I, you know, it was all right. I actually left at that moment to go and get some, uh, get a drink and go to the bathroom because as soon as I heard it come up, I'm like, ah, I've heard it a million times. I'm right. sure it'll be a crowd pleaser. I'm exhausted at this point. I'm mm-hmm. actually pretty tired, so. Mm-hmm. Little Lily, though, into that jam got me going again. And I was at this point um, kind of regained again my sea legs dancing. And you're uh, out of shape, Ted. I mean, it's been, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're, we're not, we're not up to, up to, you know, we haven't had spring training here. No. So uh, you're getting I right into the, shape. That's a no. real thing. Again, it is, <laughs> it is a difficult venue. You park right the hell away. You get a lot of stairs. You got to climb. It gets cold. Mm-hmm rain and cold. So, you know, yeah, not in red rock shape for sure. And I felt it for a long time. We'll get to that. The Lily jam pilgrims that's in here is really fantastic. Um, I'll also say that on this night, I was standing next to this girl who had never seen a panic show before. And um, she had been taking pictures and um, this, the pilgrims part of it, I was like, you know, she's like, what's this about? And I'm like, it's about being on the road. She's like, oh, okay. And, and then St. X, I was like, this is the closest JB has ever gotten to writing an anti-war song. I think I've ever heard it is, you know, based on the little Prince and it is an underappreciated classic. A lot of people do not like this song. I love this song. Um, if you listen to the lyrics, you listen to what JB's putting out there. It's very much about not judging one another and kind of living with one another, even though maybe our make believe is what it is. Um, it's it's a really interesting statement, in my opinion. Um, and then going down, you know, basically this whole run from all time low, Jack, give down. May your glass be filled. Wrangler is like ridiculously good and let me mm. tell you part of the reason for that is because of the weather it's the theme of the podcast it starts raining it starts raining hard again and not just like hard hard by the time we turn the corner it like down our shoes are filling with water and mm. our rain gear has failed at this point because it's taken on so much water. I can feel water coming in like on my clothes and now my underwear is getting wet too. Yes, my underwear was wet too. We had joked before this uh, that maybe we should bring underwear with us because I've had a couple shows at Red, Red Rocks like that. We had sacred socks in our bag though. We did have smart. There's a smart, that's a professional move, Ted. You got to do that. So in any case, that was really well done. That whole thing. Um, Give down, by the way, that to me, again, I don't know what people have to say about this, but give his, I, I thought Todd was involved in writing give. I I think Mm -hmm. that is, I think, I think Sam said that he wrote it, that it was his song. I'm pretty sure that it is his song. And so right there, we've got this like, real moment of because it's back to back and there's no and then your glass be filled right there's they're doing they're they're exercising something there on the first night right 
and and slipping it in a way where you know yes everyone's going to talk about the down but there's something about the way that that progressed that yeah. I like deserves further examination okay and so they finish up that wrangler everyone's super psyched and everyone's like fucking a, i can't believe it we made it through one night of this and it's still raining like crazy <laughs> by the way it's absolutely just belting us with rain yeah i so what would be the best move after that ted what would what would be <laughs> i joked around in the in the prior podcast that chill water might open and here it is closing the first night I don't think there's another way to even because it was chilly, cold, cold, chilly, wet water. Yeah. Um, and it was off the freaking chain. I mean, people were losing their berserk minds because mm-hmm. at this point we are like we have battled through this thing and there is just rain, sheets of rain. People are probably seeing the photos of it. Just imagine the coldest water you've ever right. There's nothing some look with a freaking water bottle is going to do to you in this. It's just like <laughs> you've already seen that times a thousand, right? Mm-hmm. So it was it, people left satisfied for sure. There had been flash floods, though. Uh, you know, the, the stairs at Red Rocks is drainage. And so there was some pretty good amounts of water coming down those stairs. Uh, a few people falling down because, you know, it, it's it's, you know, not. Yeah. So it was it was an interesting day. Like we all woke up the next day, kind of saying to ourselves, "Holy, oh, yeah, don't we?" Like, whole, it, you know, that happens over the course of a three-day run at Red Rocks yeah. for widespread. But in this particular case, it was okay. <clears throat> where's the rest of our rain gear? Right. We need. We need. A, we need a strategy here. We so because in tell I mentioned Telluride bluegrass in Telluride bluegrass having in in other places other outdoor festivals having rain gear means also having pants. Um, it also means maybe having a poncho on top of the rain gear in case of those big downpours. So <laughs> we located these ponchos that I've had. I've had a couple of them since the seventies. I'm not kidding. These are my parents like camping gear, PVC, super awesome, bulletproof. Um, Ille- it's probably illegal these days to buy. They probably, can't even sell that stuff anymore. They're more like tents than they are, you know? <laughs> right. So, and we went to um, target and got, rain suits for Jack and I, because the pants. And let me tell you, we got out of the car Saturday after parking and it immediately started raining. Like as soon as we got out of the car, the whole way down there, we're like, well, maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe it'll pass us. It started raining as soon as we got out of the car, rained on us the entire time we were in line. And then it let up and then it rained some more. And so having the rain pants helped a lot because you can actually sit down. Mm. Um, So I've got the set list for the second night pulled up here. there's so many things holding to open any show is such a throwdown. It is yeah. such a throwdown song. Like mm-hmm. if, if they play that, you need to listen to them because they're about to do some stuff. That's really amazing. And this set was no exception. Holy geez, folks, right? Every single song in here is played like with, it just mm, with a point. Right. They are making a point at this point. They, they have turned the corner from, hey, you know, everyone's oh, back in. Now they're just fucking playing lights out. They're like nothing. You know, everything has gone wrong that can go wrong. We're just going to play this thing like anything that could go to the little schoolgirl sickness, the absolute mm. sickness, um, tire shoes. People were going absolutely berserker, you know, so lots of great stuff in there. The second um, half of that first set is so dirty. I mean, with with impossible and blight tire shoes. <laughs> I mean, 
it's good stuff. I mean, you turn the corner and you're in the, you know, the set break kind of going, wow. Yeah. Like how are they, that was kind of hardcore. Like that was, <laughs> and they just decided, you know what, we're going to turn it up one more. Right. Yeah, but it goes to 11. Oh my God. There's so many places in this second set. Yeah. Guys. This, in, in my opinion, this second set is, um, probably right up there with the first set of the first night, as far as, musicianship and passion and just flat out jamming and having fun with it. That four corner and a machine gun ridiculous. Like we were just losing our minds. Oh, and by the way, it had kind of stopped raining. And so we were all like, fucking a <laughs> my rain jacket off, which is like, yeah. what? So, and then degenerate Papa's home. Papa's home was fantastic. Good stuff all the way around. I would say that, you know, again, that second set was that's the one to seek out, at least from what my ears told me at the show. Okay. So you make it through the second night. And so the rain has, has dissipated a little bit. You're, are you, you're not soaked to your underwear on Saturday night. Exactly. The rain, the rain, the rain suit held. Rain suit. And we didn't have to bust out the ponchos, which was nice. But I was re- wearing my rain jacket with a rain suit over the top of it mm-hmm. um, and not taking any any prisoners. Part, one of the things you guys don't know is that um, I'm a big nerd. No, you know that. Right. Weather nerd. And <laughs> I pull up the radar while where it shows at Red Rocks to kind of like help people understand like, and now you're putting your rain gear back on because... Mm-hmm. You don't want to get caught by that crap. And so I was doing that all night, Saturday night, and it really came in handy Sunday because at one point on Sunday, it actually turned a corner and the sun came out Wow! for like two minutes. <laughs> and so everyone took their, their stuff off, right? And then about 45 minutes later, blah, you know, like full on spitting wet, not to have a poncho kind of thing. But yeah, let's talk about Sunday. Um, First of all, Danny Hutchins was very present um, on on the first Red Rocks show, first night. Um, some of his ashes were spread up at the very top of Red Rocks. Um, people were, you know, sporting shirts and pins. I actually got this pin from a good friend of mine. Thank you, darling. Nice. Um, truly missed. And so first set, right? Um, and what a great tribute because they went through each of the songs that um, they're known for covering, right. um, but they also did a couple of things like Mercy Train to Bogart, which I think there are a lot of people who think that they have played that before, but Panic has not ever covered before. And by the way, it's also a fucking fantastic song, and they should have been playing it. All- there was was there was like a it was, that was Halloween '95, right? Wasn't there? Was there some confusion over the set list? I'm, yes. sh- I'm sure you you were the one speaking the truth. You couldn't have been responsible for any of the mistakes, right? That- well, no, no, no. The organization that I represent <laughs> took fan reports of what the set list was and repeated them. So, right. yes, the, the Everyday Companion did publish Mercy Train to Bogart as being played on that show, but on further review. And, yeah. the, you know, these days we take it so for granted that we can just, what show are you talking about? And in five seconds I can have oh. that song. Yes. Where back in the day it was like, okay, I got to get the, sh- the tapes first of all. Yeah, that right. could take months. And then, yeah, and then you got to get the Bloodkin album. Like, where did that? Where did I put that CD? Somebody, you know, somebody borrowed that CD. You know, I, forget, I don't even know which one that's on, right? But 
But yeah, that's yeah. a great song. And let me tell you that, you know, um, the, the trashy, which is, you know, oh. there's a couple of things here. One, I think, did, did I talk to you about what covers the, pa the panic will actually do? They don't do any contemporary. Oh, right. Yeah. No, we talked about this. Yeah. They, right. and they, they never do the hits. Right. I mean, it's never. And here is Trashy, which was yeah. published. I mean, right. this was less than a year old, this song. Um, this is a big deal. I mean, I, I don't mean to like be too dramatic about it, but this has never happened. This is kind of, uh, you know, a scholar's rarity. Someone mm -hmm. who knows a lot about a you know particular artist, widespread panic. Here we go. Like this is something, you know, having to learn someone else's lyrics, covering um, a contemporary. Um, very, it's it's they're paying respect and honoring the man. And I hope this thing stat sticks around. Oh, it is me too. Such a beautiful song, and yeah. JB does it such justice. You can tell he connects with it. Mm -hmm. um, it I. Yeah, I cried during that song too. Like we, there were several songs like that. This was one of them. It surprised me because I've never heard it before. Right. I've never, I don't have that new album, and I should. Um, and it it moved me. So it sounds so much like Panic doing a Blitkin song, which is so great. You know what I mean? But it is, it just fits the mold, which is I think is awesome, and I really hope it does stick around. I, I think it will, but I mean, who knows. It was a special yeah. moment, I'm sure. It, it was it was a really special moment, and honestly, it, it's one of those things where as soon as they tur turn the corner on it, you there were a lot of people who were really paying a lot of attention to what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of why we all came, uh, you know, to a certain extent. Many many people who, you know, had had been, you know, seeing Bloodkin for many years and seeing all their trials and tribulations. That band did not need to survive but they they survived they made made it through um they still need our support and i think that that's a part of this is that you know as much as we like our little band widespread panic there there are some artists around them that have really helped make their career what it is bloodkin is one of them um and you should definitely look up bloodkin danny hutchins um eric carter um these are artists that deserve your attention and deserve your hard-earned money um because lord knows they gave their lives to the music you, you would enjoy there so anyhow there's a pitch for for those guys yeah please if you have not listened to blake before i don't know how you're listening to this podcast or this watching this video but if you are hit pause go to your street you know or go to go buy it go to the store and buy the the album because uh yeah um when did you when did you realize it was going to be a bloodkin set uh, can't get high. I mean, really, you thought like from the jump, like is this, they're going to, they went into it. Like, it was, it was pretty, I mean, we all were saying that Sunday we were, gonna, and I guess too, like you hadn't, they hadn't played any of them up to that point. Right. So it would make sense. Um, all right. Yeah. Everyone was asking me like, when, you know, we're going to get a tribute. I'm like, I kept saying that it's going to happen all weekend. It's going to happen all weekend. But once you turn the corner on Friday, it was like, yeah, they're going to do it on Sunday. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you could feel it coming. Um, it, it was the end of the show, you know, it, you first time end of the show has been in the first set. Yeah. Um, it, that's a big deal against a scholar's rarity right there. Yeah. That was, I was surprised by that. Cause I felt like even, um, like you'd seen like a couple mid set end of the shows. It was like, man, it had to have shown up in a first set at some point. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, they've encored with let's get the show on the road. So why can't they play into the show on the first set? But, uh, yeah, it just never happened. 
I had thought had thought I, I thought incorrectly that they had opened a show with end of the show once and they hadn't. Um, mm-hmm. I was I think I was thinking, let's get, get the show on the road or a version of it or something. Um, there's one, you know, let's get the show on the road. Ten nine ninety four is like one of my all time favorite moments in Westford Panic history. They go maggot brain. Let's get the show on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and to open with maggot brain and then, you know, I would love to see something like that um, in the modern age, but I don't know. So second well, set, uh, let's I would, let me just, before we on end yeah. of the show, the, uh, the, my, my pick on end of the show is 42797. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Absolutely. Burlington encore that, that starts with JB solo on the mandolin doing the end of the show and then drops into low spark. It's just, so I think that I'm going to have to go out there and find um, like different versions of JB coming out and doing something solo with the band joining him. There's a few, mm-hmm. that's one of them. That's really mm-hmm. ridiculously amazing. Um, I witnessed one in Pittsburgh once they, they encored with let's get the show on the road. And he came out solo and um, did the first verse and a half. And then each band member came out and dropped right into the song perfectly. Mm-hmm. He was going to the, like the second, uh, the, the second set of lyrics, second chorus. I was like, well, yeah. Anyhow, I'd love to find, I think I should find those and put them. Sounds together. like a good project. To, to... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, um, second set's really solid. Of course, the postcard, you know, gets everyone off on their thing. It's interesting how he diner, right. Had not shown up to this point. Um, and it really, it was uh, the, the, the Jimmy Fest of protein drink sewing machine, right, is one of those moments where there's 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 many fans that really love it. I really love it. I think it's really yeah. I think it's fantastic. But right. there are, you know, there's some folks that get they get worn out by it. And but at this point, we're on the third or fourth day, and we've been climbing up and downstairs. It's fucking raining like crazy. It's still raining, guys. It did not mm-hmm. stop raining. Just to, like wipe any sort of notions of it's nice and sunny. <laughs> The rainbow out. Fucking raining like shit on us right now. It, we are wet and miserable, and, and yeah. many of us are cold. Um, and the diner comes out, and it was, I think, a moment that tied everyone back in again. Right? Like there was some people who were struggling during that heavy metal barrage mm. back. Right? And it was, it was a really good one. I, I haven't re-listened to it, but I, I recall JB kind of getting out there and it felt like it was a, a good moment um, into jam a which a lot, again, underappreciated song. A lot of people don't, I, I like this song uh, partly because it's about Gary Vereen and others, but it's about Gary Vereen. And once you kind of understand that and understand kind of the, the, the realities of the man um, it's a beautiful song. It is to me, every time I hear it, I'm, you know, stopping and listening to what, what JB's getting to. Um, and so, yeah, it, some crowd pleasing airplane, red hot mama, fish water. I don't remember much about this because at this point I'm pretty wet. Did I say it was raining? <laughs> I was actually kind of turning the corner towards, Hey, we probably need to think about packing our stuff up because everything was, you know, just in plastic bags and you didn't know where right. it was. Um, and encore was pretty good. Yeah. That, I'm so glad. I'm so glad it was nice. That, I mean, that felt like a nice sort of coda to the to the whole weekend. So many people were just hopping up and like turning, like just 
screaming at anyone else in and screaming at the rocks. I'm so glad it was, I was among them. Um, it was great. I, I really felt like, and again, you know, sort of a, a tip of the hat there to uh, the Colonel, right. Which, mm-hmm. you know, he's the daddy of all of these people that they've paid tri- tribute to over the course of the weekend, really. Um, and then into love tractor, which is just, you know, I mean, why not? Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, so it seemed like Sunday was really, was maybe the tribute night, right? I mean, you had, you had the Bloodkin nod, you had Vic, you had um, Gary, you had Michael, you had, you know, the Colonel. Uh, it was, that was, that was special. Yeah, it was, it was really special. And it, I, I, I would say that after that first set, um, everything else felt like a dessert in a way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. For me personally, the way that, my weekend had progressed. I, at that point, was just like fully satisfied, right? Yeah. Still want more at the end of the second set. It's like, well, sure, fish water. <laughs> at this point, I actually would like to go home. I, yeah. I got everything I needed to get out of this weekend. Um, I'm exhausted. I am mm-hmm. dead. I am physically abused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am cold. I am wet. Um, we were drawing stuff out for three days. I'm not kidding. I, you know, our radio was in our, our bike shed for a while. And, um, and it took me forever to put stuff away. Usually, I mean, again, a three night run, you, you prepare for it, you get stuff in the car and you're back and forth. And there's not a lot of time to kind of deal with much. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a couple of days usually to unpack. Friday morning of the following week, I still had a field <laughs> here on my front porch, which is not, you know, first of all, I would have brought those in and probably drank them or something. Right. But second of all, a cooler on the front porch, how gauche, you know, like yeah. <laughs> my wife doesn't allow that. Right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a great weekend. It was really wonderful to connect with so many different people and, it, you know, too bad the rain, but this now becomes a part of legend. Like th- no one will ever talk about this and not mention something that it was some sort of weather related adventure that they got themselves in. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those, I think Gary Garcia had this thing of, you know, the, the kids today go see us because they don't have the circus to join. Um, and these are their war stories, right? These, these are the, and that's how I feel about this last, you know, this mm-hmm. last weekend run shows the panic did it got us back in the, like the zone. Like we were in the zone. We were freaking dancing in amongst 10,000 other people, guys. Like we were doing that. And for many of us that had just been in our imagination for such a long time that there's a tendency for that to just feel like magic versus Mm -hmm. actually being magical. And this was, there's so many different sections of this. Again, seek out that first set of the first night at the Mission Ballroom, the second set of the the um, Saturday night. Um, I would think the Bloodkin set, obviously. I mean, everyone talks about that one. But do not forget about this crazy first set of Saturday night either. It's that good look, morning little schoolgirl section is, you know, that's about as widespread paying as it gets right there. So. Nice. Well, Ted, I'm happy you made it through. I, it sounds like it was a blast. You kind of got to the you're, you're to the end there, but you made it. Yeah, um, 
I made it. And, you know, I think part of what I, I'd like to kind of just say to, to everyone out there is, you know, you should get out and, and try to, to get out there and see them. This band isn't just like uh, playing. Yeah, they're playing well. This is mm-hmm. this isn't just, oh, well, they're back. They're back like in a way that feels like it could lead to something. But they're going to need your support to get there. It's everything sold out right now. But mm-hmm. after adding shows you know, make sure you get yourself out there because I have a feeling these guys are, they're serious. They're serious this time, man. (laughs) They're serious. Um, I I told, I think, I don't know who I was talking to. Maybe it was to Jeff um, that if you compare this band to the Grateful Dead, that this, this era of panic would be, is the Grateful Dead in 2001, which is crazy. Right. I mean, could you even imagine the Grateful Dead in 2001 being able to do what they what Panic just did? Right. Um, so good on them. And yeah, all the support. You know, we can be old curmudgeons and talk about how much better the old times were, but you might as well enjoy a little bit of the present time if you can. Well, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, there's dreams being made every night when they hit the stage. Honestly, they're, they're playing really well. They're connecting mm-hmm. with one another. I feel like there's a lot of, um, I don't know, gratitude that there's something that can happen, right? Yeah. Um, a reconnection to the material and to their art that I, th- I don't think we're going to be able, I, I predict at near the end of this year, we're going to be talking about just how amazing this year ended up being. We'll see. Yeah. Right. No, no. And I mean, I was going to say the same thing as you look at the road ahead, um, you can just see sort of like inspiration playing in front of them. Right. I mean, they're playing this weekend at a brand new theater on a river in Wilmington. Right. And then they're going to be in Asheville and then they're going to be in, in Austin, Texas and in Napa and five nights at the beacon. And then, you know, right down the road from the Stax museum of soul music in Memphis and four nights in Milwaukee and back to new Orleans and, and you know what I mean? So, my target is to get to the Halloween shows, so that's my goal to get to New Orleans. We'll see if that happens. That that would be great. I would love to go to New Orleans, um, but part of me is wanting to get to Memphis. I feel like Memphis that looks like a really freaking cool festival. And yeah. yes, New Orleans for sure. But I like to go to New Orleans, and Panic in New Orleans will be great. But I'd almost like to separate those two. I guess yeah, yeah. no. for Panic. I totally buy that because you can't do New Orleans and I mean, you can, but then you end up, you know, with the sore liver at the end of the weekend, you can't, you have to separate. Right. And, uh, but I'm from New Orleans, so I can go and do, oh. I can do them both. Right. It's not a big deal. So oh, wow, I didn't uh, know that. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Born and bred. So that's, that's my home. So I'm going to try to get back there for that. One but I hear you. I hear you. Like it's better to do New Orleans without panic, honestly, because there's, you can do more for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be a great year. I think that that's part of, you know, part of the message here is that, you know, if we if we can continue moving on the right tread with all of this, then we've got ourselves a real, you know, a band that we can go see and feel good about, which doesn't necessarily have to happen after how many 65 years. How old are these guys? It feels like they've been performing forever. My um, anniversary of seeing them for the very first time and remembering it is coming up on July 22nd. I saw them in 1992. So it's the 29th um, anniversary. Um, I saw them on my birthday and uh, it's one of those things to realize that, you know, 30 years is three, you know, three decades. And at that point they were mature in their craft. They, 
had already released two albums and they had picked up their uh, second uh, keyboardist. They were in arguably, I don't know, probably the sixth personnel change. A lot of people don't realize, people don't think in terms of like, well, then T. Lavitz, and then there was Hauser, and then there was George, and then there was Jimmy, as if that's the only permutations of the band existed. And there's a yeah. lot of crap that happened back in the early days. Yeah. In 92, they were already fully formed and in flight, mm-hmm. uh, playing some of the best you know, music of their career. Um, and and stuff that hangs better than much of what their contemporaries were doing, I would argue as well. Spin Doctors, are you kidding me? I mean, Blues Traveler, maybe, arguably, but I find the lyrics in particular to be cynical and and not as poetic as what JB was going for. Well, I mean, there's a difference of being in New York City and in Athens, Georgia, is probably what's driving that. But I agree with you. Not to bring fish into this, Flish. Let's let's fish is pretty fluffy in comparison. Sure, there's a. I get it. There are some songs I totally and I appreciate that, but not at the level that Panic was going for. Widespread Panic and JB in particular, they were going for a certain Southern Gothic, maybe mm-hmm. a poetic, a writer's mm-hmm. set of of uh, lyrics for their songs, and so um, by '92 to have that kind of thing going on, and then realize that was 30 years ago, dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting old is I guess part of the message. Here's the other part of the message. These are artists that perform at the top of their game and they have really carved out something here that I think is going to be interesting to watch over the course of the year. Yeah. I'm with you. Awesome. Well, Ted, I appreciate your time. I didn't mean to keep you so long, but I'm glad that we were able to, to get through the weekend. Is there anything that we didn't, we did. We talked about we talked about the timing of the shows, right? That was you wanted to get into that, and um, yeah, well, they ended really early too. I mean, there was yeah. things that they ended, but it wasn't. I mean, the shows weren't short, right? It was just it was it was an early start, and it was at a shorter set set break, maybe a little bit. And, yeah, I think on Saturday we were home at like eleven fifteen or something crazy. It was mm-hmm. really early. Um, um, but again, that's just how I, I appreciate that. I'd rather they start really early and end early. Um, <laughs> what did I just get done saying? 30 years. Uh, all right. Well, I uh, hope we talk again before next June, but if not, then we'll look forward to that and, uh, and best of luck on everything moving forward. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again. And uh, thanks everyone for supporting the Everyday Companion. I need to unmute myself. Uh, that was Ted uh, Evan Rockwell, man. Ted okay. Evan Rockwell bringing the heat at the end Seriously. from the top rope. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something. Lots to uh, lots to uh, unpack. I want to thanks right. for the plug for the Stax Museum of American Soul Music. Sure, uh, Harvey, and I hope those of y'all come see us in Memphis. Chris Foster has posted that he's doing Milwaukee, Chicago, and New Year's Eve. Uh, so that's a big uh, that's a big fall for you, Chris Foster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ted was great. I I especially loved, and again, this is somebody that you know has been to a lot of shows. He ranked the rainstorms for all three nights. <laughs> that was amazing. That was so awesome. Yeah. Um, I also liked that he brought up the uh, ten nine ninety four show. 
like going full circle with um, talking about Wilmington and, uh, and Simon, Hor- Simon Horrocks. That's right. And the, uh, the, the excellent, that was a maggot brain driving, show on the road driving to start it off. Yep. But um, should we tell the people what we're talking about briefly? Sure. So there's two panic played before 2014 panic. The last two times panic played in Wilmington, which they had played in Wilmington a couple of times in the early nineties is the mad monk was the mad monk. Yeah. in Wilmington. Yes. The mad monk was in Wilmington. Yeah. And so they played there in what, 91, 92 and then 94, 10, 9, 94, the fall tour with Freddie Jones band. Um, they open with maggot brain, JB on acoustic. You can hear him like plucking around before Gary comes out. Uh, maggot driving let's get the show on the road driving to open the show one said show and then they play maggot for a second time later on in the show in the old trask auditorium and then they come back on 4996 and really that show that is a definition of a sleeper show it looks kind of met on paper but that first set radio child massive jam massive jam i'm not alone and then just a sick diner I listened to that on the way to work this morning and like I, my, the hair stood up on my arms because I had it really loud in the car nice. and it was like that, just that dirty Hauser 96 sound, just crunchy as all hell. And like, he was just on the pedal. It was, it was just amazing. Not only did they bring the maggot brain back in that 10, show, it was in the middle of a chili water sandwich. So <laughs> not bad. We played some um, stuff from that show before, but yeah, that yes. is uh, that was an all time, uh, that was an all time show, and I think that was made with like split Sure SM fifty eights, maybe I think fifty wow. eights, yeah. I think. So um, sounds great for what whoever recorded that show, um, and so yeah, then they like uh, you'll hear they played in twenty fourteen, but first time since 2014 and first time in a real venue since 96 because it sounds like 2014 is in the parking lot and we got some great stuff coming up on the show and then great stuff coming up for the folks in Wilmington this weekend too yeah um and i did find it interesting ted ted throwing his pick for the for the heater the rest of the year is at the mempho yeah i like that festival show a a festival show in uh in uh, east memphis so if Ted's coming to Memphis, you know we'll roll out the we'll roll out the red carpet. Um, I gotta come up with anybody. Um, you can help me, Harvey, but I'm throwing it out there. I need to come up with a prom a promotion. I mean, I am in charge, so I can make up these things. Uh-huh. A promotion for Mempho festivals, but I should find that. Uh, maybe should I make my own stacks themed bootleg panic shirt? <laughs> no, I can't. That'd be a violation of many many things. Um, yeah. But. We should come up with a promo for the for the folks in the bluest tape uh, to uh, pay us a visit. Maybe it's uh, we'll come, we got we got a little time. We got three months. Yeah, no, I dig it. Um, okay, so that was our look back with Ted and the look at the and talking about Red Rocks twenty twenty one. And so now we are, as we have done in the show, you've seen our metamorphosis uh as we have changed over the over the years that we've been doing this we've grown um, so much as human beings too. we we have really? um and uh and that you know we've we've uh, embraced the uh the current the current incarnation of the band and so we're looking forward to the uh the wilmington shows and um so it's a brand new venue down on the river these are the first real shows um 
And uh, so I reached out to uh, to our friend Jeff Hansen, uh, who lives down in Wilmington, and um, said, Jeff, you know, can you come on, give folks the lay of the land down in Wilmington and what they, you know, what's coming on, you know, what's going to be happening this weekend? And he said, yes, but you should talk to this guy instead. And and that is uh, Bo Gunn, who runs the Penguin. And were you from? A, were you aware of the Penguin before no, the conversation? I'm okay, saying, uh, I'm going to start checking it out. Yeah, no, it's great. And I, I mean, I've been aware of it for a while. I don't know where I saw somebody, you know, recommend it, uh, and it's it's fantastic. So it's I think it's ninety-eight point three Penguin ninety-eight three dot com. It's sure, commercial. But... It's a commercial station. It is a commercial, and that, I mean, that is one kind of bummer is that you do hear commercials, but you know, I mean, it's fun. Yeah, the right. music is fantastic. To do and, what they're uh, doing as a commercial station is pretty remarkable. It is really, and so um, Bo runs the station, and and also played a big part in getting the uh, getting this amphitheater built, and then bringing Panic in uh, as the as the kickoff act, and so. Um, if you're watching this and you're going to go to the shows on in Wilmington, um, you know, have patience with those folks as they work out the kinks and get there early and, you know, don't freak out if they run out of beer because that's what happens when <laughs> panic comes to town. <laughs> they so, might run uh, out the first night, but they won't run out the second and third night. That's right. So, um, okay. So we, we chatted with those guys and, uh, so we'll play that and then we'll come back at the very end and put a bow on this. So we appreciate you, uh, you watching and joining us tonight instead of watching the all-star game. I'm sure the American league is winning like they, they usually are, are. Four the junior circuit. Um, okay. So let's see if we can get the, uh, let's see if I can get this video, uh, pulled up here and, uh, all right. This is, uh, this is us from a couple hours ago with Jeff Hansen and Bo Gunn. We are joined by two very special guests all the way from Wilmington, NC, uh, Bo Gunn and Jeff Hansen. Guys, thanks for joining the pod. Well, thank you for having us. It's exciting. Big fan. Not much going, not much going on in Wilmington right now, right? You guys just chilling no. out. You know, I can't be the longtime listener, first time caller because I've been on the show before. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of that phrase, and I couldn't think. Yeah, of it. right, right, yeah, yeah. At any rate, yeah, there is a lot of excitement in the air. Panic has been to Wilmington um, throughout the, the couple of decades, but there's there's a, something different about it this time. I can tell you that it's palpable, as they'd say. Well, it's, you it's think a, that it's a historic night in the in the history of the town because. Yeah. This is an amphitheater that will be here for a long, long time. And this will be, you know, the trivia question, um, who was the first band? So, um, you know, it's a it's a big deal. And not just the that, but then you're, you're, this is basically the, you know, second run of the band in, you know, a year and a half. Right. I mean, so they got their feet wet and by all accounts, very wet in Red Rocks uh, in the rain. But um, great shows there and now ready to get get down south and uh, and get down to business, as they say, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're feeling pretty fortunate. It was one of those pinch me, this isn't going to happen, right? I mean, all right, we've got it on the calendar, and it's like, will the venue be done? Will COVID be enough complete? There's no way that this is going, the stars are going to align, and it did. And it was still – I still didn't believe it until it was out there and then on sale, and then it was like, all right, this this is happening. You know? I'm not for the first note of play. So um, – 
Talk a little bit about the history, I guess. I mean, I'm sure not only the the lead up to the this run of shows, but just to get this thing this thing built. It was supposed to be a baseball stadium. I mean, was that that was the original plan for that space or yeah. talk a little bit about how how y'all got to, you know, having well, let, it. Let me there. take let me take this. Because right. I can tell you this, this place would not be built without this guy right here. Because there wouldn't be a market of music uh, of this caliber that would attract Live Nation had Bo not built this thing up from the from the, the ground up. I mean, so let me. So I'm going to go back a little bit further. So I'm going to tell Bo's story. He's he's very humble, but it goes something like this. They started the Penguin. I'm going to say around 2003. And uh, there were two guys named Jerry and Mark who came into this market and wanted to start a radio station. It was going to be called the, the Penguin. And the idea was it's a different kind of bird. And they still roll with that slogan. And the, the, the way I always describe the, the Penguin is it's, a, it's the station that plays the most Taj Mahal and J.J. Kale that you'll ever hear mm-hmm. on commercial radio. Take it from there. So, right, they play the, the, the older stuff they play is Pretty Roots. And then they play newer stuff that's, you know, kind of in, independent. It's it's weird. You say indie rock, and I don't really think that describes it the best. Uh, I'm going to take it back, Bobo. What do you call all this this cool new music that rock and roll? That's do you call it indie rock? I do not call it indie rock. I just I just it's, some of it's Americana, some of it's jam, some of it's just new rock and roll. But I mean, it's we call it penguin music, and we try to brand it that way. But it's, I, I think that I, I actually think that's a, a well well said because. It's, it's just not indie rock, but yet a lot of it is independent, right? So, um, so, so that, and, and, I, and we got to, you know, give the credit to Jerry and Mark. That was kind of the idea. They actually wanted to do a radio station in a restaurant. That was their original idea. And then they realized, hey, man, it's really loud in here. We can't really hear that. So they set up the Penguin, and Bo comes on as uh, an intern, production assistant. Uh, how old were you, Bo? 20. 20 years old. Bo comes in. He's 20 years old. He's learning the business. And then one day there's a little bit of a conflict with Jerry and Mark and, and, and ownership and Jerry and Mark kind of overplayed their hand, you know, and then those guys and the ownership was like, you're fired, Bo, you're hired. <laughs> Bo, Bo gone gets, is running a radio station. How old? 20 years old, 21, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've, I tell the story a lot. Like, like it was an incredible. Sometimes it's like being in the right place at the right time. Sometimes the door opens for you, but you got to walk through the door. And nobody in my in my lifetime have I ever seen walk through the door high stepping in the <laughs> sense that he just for and this was in what year two thousand almost twenty years ago two thousand five he he is the, he's he's got the Midas touch. I mean he just. He has just delivered and, and, and continued to deliver. Uh, he's one of those guys in the community. It's like one of those things like everybody loves Bo. It's it's just like a given, right? You want to rag on people, you move on. You're like, yeah, we can't. We, gotta, we can't yeah. rag on Bo. We gotta, Give me a yeah. But um, so so where Bo, where, where the story goes, also in, in 04, I sent a CD of a radio show I had just done at, at KOTO and Telluride. And like, man, I love the station. I'd really like to DJ for you. And I was like, I'll never hear back from them. And like a day later, Bo hits me back and is like, basically, I'd like you to be the afternoon DJ. And I'm like, whoa. I couldn't believe it was the guy from the uh, Urkel Swallow you uh, film. Coming, right? And scrapple. Yeah. Well, Earth will swallow you. He was here. He's all about panic, you know, and like, and then you, you, you can get into your whole panic thing 
But so so then I, I had the fortune to be the DJ here. I only did it for about two years. Uh, I had kids and, you know, um, it, it was just hard. You know, I mean, I was making I had to pay the babysitter more than I was making at the station. That's nothing. <laughs> the, the way, you know, like independent radio goes. But I mean, it was the, just a dream job. And, you know, I, I mean, I got you know, I got to air. I interviewed Derek Trucks when he was still pretty young and. I also had Mike Madison in the studio from uh, the, the other guy from uh, other singer from the Tedeschi trucks band, but all kinds of people like, like, like Eric Lindell. I don't know. A lot of people in the studio. It was just, I had so much freedom. I used to joke that like I was the only DJ in America that could play a 12 minute bar stools during the five o'clock hour. It was like that. I mean, it was insane. And, and so Bo just gave me that freedom. And so I was, I'm forever grateful for that. And uh, when I returned back to Wilmington, he was kind enough to give me a weekly show. Um, it's called when the needle hits the groove, you can get the pod bean app. And that's where you find my shows. You can listen to them. They're there. Okay. So, so Bo in about 2008, Sort of before that, if I wanted to go see a show, I was driving down to Myrtle Beach about an hour and 20 minutes from here, going to the House of Blues to see bands like, you know, the drive by truckers and Government Mule and whoever it was. It was all going to Myrtle Beach. Okay, there was no music scene in Wilmington. Zeros. Just what was happening. There was a really cool bar called the Soapbox that had like a you could do your laundry and watch a show. And they um, it was all just it was just tiny stuff. There really wasn't anything significant happening in the city of Wilmington. 2008. There's this really cool amphitheater where they were just doing Shakespeare, as far as I know. And how did you get to do the first show uh, at the Greenfield Lake Amphitheater? Just, it was it was there for the taking. It was our the Penguins' fifth birthday celebration. Tiff Merritt, who I don't know if you're familiar with, kind of a, a singer songwriter, I don't folk singer. Uh, had some ties to Wilmington. We put together a show. We made a little bit of cheese and was like, man, uh, it was, this was awesome. It was a really cool event. It was a total cluster, by the way. Nobody knew what the hell they were doing, but we pulled it off. And uh, I think we did two shows in 2008 and then a couple in 2009, and it became its own business. And as a promoter, to have the vehicle of a radio station and a radio station that really has no rules, that can really go deep in the playlist, to have that as your arsenal and to educate your audience on, on what the uh, artists are going to sound like is really, it's, it's so valuable. And that is how the music scene really was built kind of off the penguins back, but more than anything, just the, the, the community who was starved for live music. We're out selling Charlotte and Raleigh and all these big markets and agents were really taking notice. And they were like, what, what the hell's going on? It was like a little bit of the penguin and a little bit of this beautiful amphitheater, Greenfield Lake Amphitheater, which just has this magic about it. Um, just kind of enchanted little space on the lake. Um, I asked JJ Gray about it once. I said, uh, I saw you at, at Greenfield Lake and he goes, he said, that place is magical because he's, he's just kind of a swamp guy, you know, and, and Greenfield Lake has this cool, um, how would you describe it? What are those trees? The, the 200 year old cypress trees, giant pine trees, alligators in the lake. I mean, the lake kind of has a, a, a 180 degree view behind the stage and there is not a bad seat in the house. The, the back of the, of the venue is closer than the back of a general gold circle at one of those big sheds. I mean, it's, it's 1400 seats and it is just smoking. And then you have, the audience has got this energy about them because we may go deep on these artists' records, again, trying to promote the show, but also trying to educate the audience. 
And so I think that that energy is noticed by the, by the artists. It's like, they're not just singing the, the words to my hit, you know, mm -hmm. they're singing the words to all of them and then they give it right back. And it is, it whips them up in a frenzy. It's, it's what, exactly what happens at a magic atmosphere at a panic show when you just know you've got, you're firing on all cylinders, audience and band coming together. And that, the success of that venue opened the uh, eyes to the city and the potential that this piece of land, this six acre piece of land that was supposed to be a baseball stadium, which by the way, if you look at the venue, is very much shaped like a baseball stadium. You can guess exactly where home plate would have been based off of where the stage is. And that's, that's the case. Um, that got voted down. It should have gotten voted down. It was going to be a boon. Um, that's that's bad, right? It was not going to be good for the community. But um, no, boon is good. Okay, it was a, boon, a boon dog. A boon dog. I mean, with the vocabulary. Always wins. Either way, it wasn't going to be great, and and the the uh, citizens sniffed that out. So again, they they um, they realized that. Damn, Greenfield Lake Amphitheater, live music, all of these, the heads on be in beds, tax, restaurants, and they put that to a vote. There was a lot of behind the scenes things that, that went along with that, but the citizens voted on it, 66%. And uh, that was uh, forever ago. It feels like maybe 2015. And now here we are in 2021 with a, a absolutely gorgeous amphitheater, um, getting ready to get broken in in true fashion, trial by fire. It's almost it's almost funny that, that, you know, it's like, could there be like a better and worse band to start with? Than one? It's so good. It's going to be so rowdy and awesome. But it's like, imagine you're like, oh, we've never done a show before. I mean, I was joking with someone just about the traffic flow. Like nobody has any idea of the traffic corridor. Like it could be. Well, here's the thing. The guys, the people at Live Nation, the, the higher ups, they have it all blueprinted out. Right. But then it trickles down to the individual that's the security guard that's just been hired and it's like hey your job's going to be to walk up and down the aisles and make sure people you know are sitting and, and they're thinking well of course they'll be sitting there's seats down there and <laughs> you can see what's happening at panic and i just the person probably throws their hand i was like i give up or, or the supervisor be like remember what i told you forget it for these three nights and then and then yeah, right, right. For every that. other show yeah, for every but show. um you know I was joking. I mean, you know, I do my, my show when the needle hits the groove. And, uh, I, you know, I said at the end of it, I just said, you know, you can hear it coming like a train out of control. Surely leave you wondering exactly where your ticket goes. I mean, you know, like literally, right. <laughs> We're wondering where your ticket goes to this new venue. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be electric is, is I, 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 I can that only. Poetry. Did you write that? Oh, it's just one of my. <laughs> Um, and, um, it's, it's going to be, I, I've thought this very thought, like when that band comes on stage and does their thing and busts into that first tune, which is going to be disco. And, um, what do you think? I think let's get down to business, which is not one of my all time favorite. Oh, oh, because, like it's oh, just, be, yeah. because the business of the new amphitheater. I don't know. I just think that's, well, no, that would, that would kind of make sense. Like the, I don't is, think they're thinking of it like that. Oh, you really, the, yeah. I don't think panic thinks about the songs that they yeah, play. Yeah. I think they just go out there and it's going to be, uh, you know, special. It's going to be, it's going to be wild, man. Um, everyone's it's the only shows in the South kind of like there's Memphis, but like, if you live in Georgia, if you live in Virginia, if you live in the like, I don't think that there's any shows in the sort of southeast mm -hmm. besides these shows. Am I wrong? I mean, I think that you're right, and that one's a yeah. festival. This is this is a bit of an aside, but it was kind of a thing of a work of art watching 
management and the band roll out these dates, most likely strategically where it's, uh, I mean, just one after the other was like, uncle, you know, I don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Red Rocks is finally the last. Oh, there's right. tunes for tots now in front. Like it was yeah. just, and then, and then Mexico, it just, they really must have plotted that out week by week by week to get squeeze as much blood out of the turnip as they possibly yeah, could. Yeah, they did. A gr- I mean, it was pretty, pretty brilliant. I mean, they yeah. sold, mm-hmm. I think, a lot of tickets to a lot of shows. The Saturday night show sold out 6,000 people. What? How many people? 7,200, all three in less than 10 minutes. All three shows are sold out. Oh, yeah. I mean, 20,000 tickets. My, my Going back to, I mean, Bo told the story. All of that you know, the momentum of the theater, you know, it was just a 25, six year old guy who went up there and was like, there, you know, man, this is an amphitheater. Like they're doing Shakespeare here. Wouldn't it be cool if they, you know, did shows and that's, what's really led us uh, to today. And, you know, Bo is just a super humble guy and, and he really would be the last to take, to take credit for it. But those in the know, uh, know that man, we wouldn't uh, be in this spot without all the, you know, just the, you know, the vision, the, you know, he's a visionary. He saw, he saw something and, and, and tomorrow it, 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 it sort of morphs into something bigger than he even imagined. Right. It was like, this would be great. Now. It, I mean, Wilmington it, it, went from nothing. It was nothing. It was Myrtle beach. And then, you know, freaking Norfolk or something. I don't know. Uh, and, and it was, we weren't even on the map. And then at a, a certain point after Bo got this thing cooking, Wilmington became a crucial piece of, routing a band through the South. It was, it was a place that everybody wanted to come play Wilmington. And we have all been the beneficiary of it. The shows that have gone on here are, are just, I mean, and just incredible stuff. And anyway, so I just wanted to, to put this guy in contact because, um, you know, Harvey, Harvey, uh, he reached out to me to talk about the shows and I'm like, you're not, you're talking to the wrong guy, man. There's one guy that you need to talk to because, because in addition to all of the things we're talking about, this guy loves widespread panic, man. He is as, as devoted and into panic as uh, pretty much anybody I know. So, yeah, I had to I had to just say, man, uh, I'm going to give it up to the man over here. And um, and so I'm going to go hang with the kids. You got the man. It's great to see you guys. And um, there you go, man. I'm just going to say it one more time. G Mac forever, baby. <laughs> Jeff Anson, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's, we'll be here all we'll be here all week. Line him up. Thank you, everybody. Um, so, so the thing that gets me, I don't, and I worked in radio for a little while, of, of how you pull off a commercial FM radio station in, in a AAA format. Like, it, is it Wilmington? Is it just, is it like pure desire or brute force? I mean, how does that, how does that work? I think brute force, maybe, maybe time to, to quote, uh, I guess maybe Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption, time and pressure, you know, the secrets of geology. And that is that if the, the penguin was about to be flipped, it had existed for two years while Mark and Jerry ran it. Phenomenal station, but it was such a niche of a niche of a niche. And, um, and nobody really understood it uh, in terms of the commercial, you know, you had your, maybe your vegan store, your health food store that you, you get it. That kind of, you understand where, why they would connect those dots, but as as the bands that we were playing grew legitimacy, whether it was through the launch and advent of Bonnaroo or just becoming big, maybe it was the Black Keys who were underground, but then became big. As those bands grew, our credibility and legitimacy grew as well. So after a while, it was like, 
oh, yeah, I've heard of the Black Keys or Adele or, or, you know, insert band here. I've been hearing for years on the Penguin. And then it kind of became the cool thing. And the concerts, once we did those concerts and really figured out, like not the first couple, but really we started doing the concerts, then you had an experience to go along with the Penguin. It was it was an outing and memories. Uh, and then the longer we lasted, there was memories with kids, emails. People were like, man, I, I don't bond with my kid anymore, but we can bond over the Penguin because we both like this same band. And I think all of that time existing created this niche for us to just be a really cool part of Wilmington, the fabric of Wilmington. Um, and quite frankly, widespread panic has got so much to do with that, that no one, most no one that listens to Penguin recognizes. It's not just that we play them. It's the whole way I've approached music because it, they were my Genesis. If I, uh, if I was playing JJ Kale or even familiar with them, it was because of traveling light and going backwards. Um, it's just where I got started and my musical journey when I was 16 years old was through, through panic. I mean, it's like if I'm if I'm holding back all these great Halloween songs, even though I'm dying to play them in the month of October, it's because I've learned to be disciplined or break them out on that day and blow people's minds. You know, that's they might people might be. I'm probably overthinking it. They probably don't give no. shit about it. Right. They may not, no. but, but every now and then people understand like, oh, it's raining or there's a rainbow across town and the penguins playing the rainbow song. We that freedom to do, you know, kind of or have to have art, you know, replicate life is real life is important and it lets people know that people are paying attention there at that radio station. It's not just some programmed BS. So Harvey, uh, Bo totally would have gotten my Simon Horrocks joke. The other <laughs> Did I miss it? No, no it's, it, it's inside baseball. Um, so one of the things in listening to you talk, um, it's it's what you're doing and how this has sort of been constructed is very is, is very old school to me, especially around the radio station when radio mattered. And I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, here in Memphis, especially I'm wearing the shirt of our very non-commercial radio station, WYXR, which is a nonprofit station associated with uh, Crosstown Concourse and um, University of Memphis. And it's a great station, and but it, but the niche that it serves is definitely not the niche that you found, and because it is very much you know the niche I inhabit, which is you know rare soul records and dance music and DJs and and, and Memphis music and that sort of thing. And so I when I, I when Panic was announced as the headliner from Memphis, I texted the pro, the program director, who's a friend of mine, and I said, "Hey, if you ever need anybody to come on and do a extensive breakdown of widespread panic, you know, just let me know." And he kind of like laughed laughed back, and I was like, "No, I'm actually kind of serious. I actually could do that, but because widespread panic will, has been was played one time on the station, and it was when they announced the Memphis Festival, and it probably well, won't, won't probably won't play it again. I don't even remember. It might have been. It was something off of." Uh, Till the medicine takes, I think. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. It was, I think it was, uh, might've been Henry Parsons actually. Um, but anyway, it, uh, so what you're talking about, especially with the, around the bands. And so I guess my I'm long, a long runway or run up to asking the question is, um, what you've created is sort of a, is a market that bands can't ignore. And I think, in Memphis, we've become a market that bands can and do ignore. Um, Memphis used to be a primary city, and now it's 
not even a secondary city for route for rooting for for most bands doesn't even matter what level at this point and so tell me about so talk about sort of the the mat the magic that you've sort of harnessed in wilmington in terms of greenfield lake and then moving up to a 7200 seat amphitheater yeah. in a not in a not very big city and and sort of how what what i guess it's too how talk about the community response and the buy-in but then also sort of the the, the corporate response because obviously right. in this day and age promoting into an independent venue of that size is impossible so talk about how the relationship with live nation got started too I, i'll jump into that i think in terms of uh, just what you mentioned though in terms of a market that bands can't ignore i think that's kind of two-pronged one is the energy and the and the, the money is there for the most part right they're getting paid and that's great and and, and discovering a new market. And then there's the radio aspect of it where I've always tried to connect the dots for the agent and, and using, and then using my ties from the radio side to connect the dots with the label who all they really want in life is for their records to get played on the radio is to say, Hey, we're playing this record. Can you please contact the agent and tell them how much we're playing this record or we're on the third single. And so it almost has become a portion where they can't, they can, and this, they oftentimes do, but some of them don't want to ignore that part of it, right? They want to either throw us a bone or they want to play a market where their music's getting played. I think that's been a, a big part of it is just trying to harness those relationships and connecting those dots because at the end of the day, we all want a path of least resistance to a successful show. But I don't think that those two camps talk to each other as much as you would, you know, maybe hope that they would. Um, the corporate response, the Live Nation, you know, Live Nation coming in, I, uh, I'll say, I mean, I, I've kind of, I've learned to like them a lot. The people that I work with in Live Nation are, are North Carolina locals and they're great people. The corporate Live Nation still scares the shit out of me. Um, they're, they're very big and uh, powerful. And once you kind of get in that machine, uh, you're, you're a cog. Um, fortunately, they have, they really came down and, and by the venue, uh, Riverfront Park, the, new, the future venue taking so long to be built, um, we struck up a relationship at Greenfield Lake and they had, they kind of gave me full autonomy, um, but let me use their buying power, uh, so to speak, and, and their, their name. And uh, it let us, it let them really see what the energy and vibe we had at Greenfield Lake Amphitheater. It let them see the ticket sales. And I mean, just when you talk about selling out something and then an agent saying, why did you all sell out so fast when my Chicago market hasn't sold out yet? It, it kind of just let them know, all right, we're in the right, place here it, i think it gave them more confidence to get the riverfront project to the finish line because it did have um several kind of financial changes just the way things go with building materials and whatnot but they really put in a big chunk of change it feels like to to get it to the finish line that said um they are corporate and they can't help being who they are and so there are things that that um at Greenfield Lake, which will subtly change, and at Riverfront Park, which you can expect, which is, you know, the, the regularly priced beers or irregularly priced beers. <laughs> and I think, you know, at this point in the culture, that's forgivable and understandable. But um, at Greenfield Lake, we have, I do believe that had we started from the word go with a $12 beer and, um, you know, maybe not letting kids in 10 and under, which is what we did for years, I don't know that we could have created the magic and the fabric that we did that led us here to where we are um i don't want to see any of that ever go but i recognize that the more hands in the pot the uh more that things like that will change 
you know, at, uh, when you were when Jeff was talking and just hearing you talk, first, I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind is WMMS in Cleveland, which is one of these legendary, you know, AOR stations. And like MMS's claim is that they broke Bruce Springsteen, right? And so there's the famous show, and it's not just famous to me because my wife was born on August 10th, 1978, and Bruce played a show at the Agora Ballroom August 9th, 1978. And her uncle was in the loge at the Richfield Coliseum at Crosby, Stills, and Nash listening to the Bruce show while at set break and then calling the hospital, checking in to see if his first niece was going to be born. Literally, he told that story to us in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame like seven years ago. And it was one of the most it's like amazing. panic stream when you have to call in the songs. Like. Yes, like literally. It was hilarious. But anyway, but when, what... That the point of that story always was, you know, aside from the family connections, was that Bruce Springsteen was like Bruce Springsteen all caps at that point. But he came back to Cleveland and played this small show that was broadcast on FM and talks about how Cleveland was the city that broke Bruce Springsteen yeah. because it was a particular market, because it was blue collar, working class, Midwest, the Midwest made Bruce Springsteen in so many ways. And so here in, you know, it's, and paying attention from afar about Greenfield Lake. Um, I mean, really, you guys were just putting putting on some great shows, but really sort of embracing, reflecting what your listeners liked on The Penguin, but then also putting these shows that were breaking these bands into a totally new audience for some and a family audience, which as somebody that does this type of, not programming shows, but this type of work, I tip my cap to you for making a family friendly venue, which I'm sure Harvey does as well as those both of us having two small kids each. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. And it was that was important. I think when I look back, it's like the kids 10 and under recently had a discussion about now it's kids five and under currently at Greenfield Lake. And the Live Nation policy is nationally is two and under. But I remember doing it at first. It was like, hey, if the kids, you know, tickets are kind of they cost what they cost, but if parents didn't feel like they had to throw a babysitter on top and could have yeah, a yes, experience, yes. maybe they'll come down. And, yep. it, and it felt like that, that, you know, whether it was the case or not, we were selling out shows and kids were over there playing in the grass. And I was like, well, this is working and they're not really taking any seats. So that, that all um, just kind of happened, happened the way it did. I want to kind of, um, can I talk about Lucas Nelson a little bit? Talking about breaking like, yeah. art, you, know, you know, Willie's son. Lucas Nelson. Sure. Yeah. So we had him at the whiskey, a little 150 cap club, which no longer exists. And I remember we were agonizing over whether the ticket should be $5 or $7. And he just blew the crowd away. He's so talented along with his band. Um, a few years later, I talked <coughs> to coming to Greenfield Lake and thought maybe we bit off more than we could chew. It was right after his, um, his self-titled record came out. And they just had all this phenomenal, the label had put out all this phenomenal interview footage where it was just him talking about his dad and stuff. Because usually you, you kind of, it was hard to pry that out of them. They'd ask, you know, don't, don't do interviews. But it was, there was enough of that kind of B-roll audio to where basically in the, in the radio ad, all I did was say, you know, don't miss Lucas Nelson. This is what he's about. And it would do, kind of talk about him and his dad. It was enough of a campaign that the show sold out knocked his socks off couldn't i mean he had not sold that many tickets anywhere i don't think and we created this really special bond i, mean, I remember the label calls like how did you do it what did you do so lucas and i became friends um and we got hit in 2018 by hurricane florence mm -hmm. crushed wilmington flooded us out uh, cut us off from the rest of the world for like five days 
I wake up one morning, a text message came in at like two in the morning. He was out in Maui, so he probably sent it much uh, early in the evening. That he, he, This is from Lucas. Seeing what's going on in the news, how can me and the band come and help? He was filming with Lady Gaga at the time or just wrapped up that the, the movie. Um, they had Their plates were so full, and he offered this. We could not figure out a date, and I was like, man, it's a great gesture. He would not let me stop. He would not give up. He insisted. So finally in October, it's going to hit early September, we find a date. He and his bandmates fly in, a couple of them with their kids because they, they had them um, you know, with them or whatnot. And we raised sixty-five thousand dollars in the city of Wilmington, and um, and I and I tell you because the mayor came out, gave him a key to the city, and that the, the Riverfront Park was already on its way. But I just think that at that point was such a big turning point for the city of Wilmington to get behind us mm. and root for us and champion us uh, that that it really just made a big difference. I mean, all the way on down to us, you know. Thing. We're going to book widespread panic for the first shows. They had some experience with the Azalea Fest. It was a, it was the, the shows were okay. It was kind of a bit of a scene because it was a, it was just a different vibe, and that was uh, I think we kind of regained their trust a lot that night with with, with Lucas. Not that they didn't we didn't have it, but there was something special that happened that night. Uh, with the city came together, the municipality and the citizens. I mean, to raise that kind of money from a gesture from an artist was a big deal. That's awesome. Yeah. And you, uh, so Panic played at Azalea Fest in 14. Yeah. So were you, were, were you a part of bringing them to town for that? And can you talk a little bit about the last time they played? Yeah. Seven ago? I was. I was. Um, so the Azalea Festival is a long running festival. It's not a big music festival, but they have in le- recent years, a few years before Panic really started putting a highlight and emphasis on these, on these concerts. Um, they have a rotating cast of board members that start at secretary and each year, I think you, you move up from vice president, eventually to president. And I knew the guy that was doing it. And really, I just kind of pushed on the fact that you guys are going to break your concessions records for sure. You'll raise a lot of money um, and it'll, it'll be a great show. And a lot of people will come to town and they were good shows, but they were in, they were in a parking lot. At the end of the day, they were in a parking lot. I, I think Knoxville, a 420 show one time was in a like, asphalt parking lot. We probably mm-hmm. go where it's like, all right. Well, also, I was there. I was there. It was not, music not, not pretty. Yes. Yeah, the live music experience starts with the atmosphere. And it, because mm-hmm. it was Azalea Festival, the security was incredibly difficult. And so it really set a bad tone from the word go. Um, and again, Panic did their thing, and they were great. And they played Breakout, broke out some, some great songs. I think one of the, the second or third time they did um, Honky Red, Plastic Jesus came out of nowhere. From, it was like this, you know that came and went so quickly, but it was maybe the second time or third time they played that. So some memorable bust outs, but at the end of the day, the atmosphere just wasn't. You know, it was more of a festival atmosphere than what we're going to get on. Um, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I, I mean, like I said, the energy is in the air. There's, there's restaurants participating and, you know, breaking out menu items and, and launching beers named after their songs. And, oh, cool. Yeah. So it, it's, I just feel like there's a, there's almost a different level of respect. Like it's, it's odd because it's only been seven years, but it seems like in those seven years, people have got on board in, in a different way than what they did at Azalea Fest. And maybe they got lost in the shuffle there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Not, not to play any favorites because I know all the local merchants are great supporters. But if, if you're, if anybody's watching this, that's going there, we'll be there this weekend. Do you have any tips? Like besides show up early and uh, you know uh, <laughs> prepare to to wait in line or whatever. But you know places to go or, or any sort of tips for 
Yeah. I think, you know, just taking advantage of downtown Wilmington as a whole, because it's got a great bar scene there. It's got a lot of phenomenal restaurants. But um, I would say get downtown at two or three o'clock and find a couple of different watering holes. The river walk, which goes almost two miles, literally ends at the uh, at the venue. So if you find yourself downtown, don't just walk down the streets, meander down till you get to the river and walk down the river walk because it's a beautiful walk. Uh, There's a phenomenal mellow mushroom there that's brand new. It's like pristine, one of the most gorgeous restaurants I've ever seen with a lot of art in it. And that's got, of course, a lot of great beers. Um, Copper Penny is a must. Uh, Eat at place. And yeah, I'm going to probably dig myself a hole because they're all my sponsors and I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) I'm not sorry. But downtown Wilmington, just get there and and experience it. Um, And then make sure you Go to the venue by Riverwalk and um, and try to find a plan on how to get home. I am a little bit – I'm curious about the Ubers. I think mm. Ubers in general have taken a major hit nationally mm-hmm. with the pandemic, and um, I just hope that people don't have a terrible experience getting away from the venue. But but you might have to have patience and go to a bar and, and yeah. chill for a little while. Yeah, so. go bur- yeah, wait an hour. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, um, so how are you going to – what's your – do you, are you going to get to enjoy it at all? Or are you going to be Are you going to be chewing not, fingernails not, all weekend? Or I'm a little bit. Yeah, I've been a little bit anxious this, you know, since yesterday. Uh, you know, with it coming up, in which I just need to chill out. I don't have to work the show. Um, I'm recognizable dude in in Wilmington. I'm certainly going to be behaving myself in terms of maybe just having a couple of beers and and trying to just live in the moment of what we have created and culminated. Um, as a community and, you know, with an exclamation point of my favorite band. And I, I hope I can can do that. Uh, a lot of the folks from Live Nation are down, so I'm sure we'll have a, a celebratory uh, toast or something like that. But um, I think just I'm going to try to I'm going to tuck away in my little section have my buddies on each side and uh, and just dance my ass off, man. <laughs> I can't wait. I really can't wait. And I, I think, you know, Buck Williams, their manager's got history here in Wilmington. So I think the band not just another stop i think there's a lot of personal ties here paul hoffman's um girlfriend longtime girlfriend is uh, down here uh jeff duckworth who was the merch man and, and lots of their friends live here in this town now so yeah. i think that well i from what i understand from reading an uh, interview today in port city daily the band really is quarantining in their dressing room like they're they're kind of treating it like basketball or baseball they're they're in their bubble still um i think that they recognize there's a lot of the home team here and i hope mm-hmm. that they i hope they blow it up i think they're going to what's your uh, so you said your section so where is your section where are you going to be are you going to be where, oh, where do you like to be for shows wouldn't all the listeners like no after that no, no. <laughs> i gotta be top secret no i'm i'm in, uh, i'm slight i'm in section 103 i don't know if that's um mikey jimmy side or uh or school side and and i'm about uh five rows back from the pit so i'm I'm up close and personal. I don't like to be too close. Years ago, I fought and fought to get front row and, uh, mm-hmm. at Walnut Creek, and then I was there, and I felt so much pressure. <laughs> you, know, I'm like, you know, right? No the band's walking. looking at you. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's like there's no bathroom song. You can't walk away. You you have to like old Joe. Though. You gotta like. like so I was like never never again. I, I remember thinking I'm like second row would still be too close. I'm a tempo <laughs> kind of guy, I think. <laughs> What's your, do you have an opener call for the first night? I, you know, I'm not passionate about it. For whatever reason, let's get down to business is stuck in my head. I was uh, hell bent that disco would be the first song back, um, mm-hmm. you know, 
at Red Rocks. And then, of course, they threw in the old curveball with tunes for tots. I'm like, well, that still counts. Maybe just go there. And then wondering, of course, comes on. It's like, of course. Wondering. No, yeah, let's get down to business. I'll call it because I don't have anything else to call. I think that's a good call. I think you got a good shot. Yeah, I could call them all. I like at the show, I like to just call them all till my friends are like, you know, if you name every song, you're going right. to. <laughs> so the, you know, the, the band has been like, we talked or Jeff talked about how they, or maybe you did, how they kind of parsed out the shows this, this year and, and, uh, and talking to Ted Rockwell, like, I mean, it seems like everyone has got is special, you know, there's no sort of throwaway shows. Right. I mean, especially you guys like being the first shows in, in the venue or, you know, in Memphis or in Chicago or all the places that they like to go. Um, is the hope that, that Wilmington becomes a regular stop, you know, in the rotation for, for these, you know, cause they, they they've gotten to where they're doing these stands, you know, yeah. as we can, you know, uh, residencies, which totally makes sense. And so, is the goal to get to get Wilmington on that? On that I mean, as a fan, the hope is definitely there. Um, you know, as just a businessman in this business, I think that uh, there'd have to be a real compelling reason. Uh, you know, in which case, if these shows go off without a hitch, the vibe mm-hmm. is great, and you know, nothing super glaring that can't be fixed. Um, I would find it real hard to see why they would go to a Charlotte or a Raleigh when they could play Wilmington, you know, and mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a lot of bands. I mean, a lot of times the venue is, you know, the promoters are in the driver's seats. Like you're going to play where we send you the offer. Uh, we all know that that panic is, is in their own driver's seat. And it, mm-hmm. I would hope that this could be one of those Southeast States. I mean, Raleigh, Walnut Creek was, was legendary for so many years in, in late nineties in the early two thousands until the sales kind of dropped off. But I'm thinking that this, might have that energy of that reunion. You know, you got a lot of folks that may have not been able to make it to shows because they had small kids or were in their career that can, can break away and want to re-experience that. So, and it's a, it's a sweet size venue, right? It's, it seems mm-hmm. like it was easy for them to sell out, but that's still a fantastic payday. Mm-hmm. Um, not too, too big. So I think that's the hope. And I would suspect, I think it would happen, but I, I can't say because I don't know. Well, so I, I like uh, to get. I'm going to try to get down there if that happens again. But. Oh man, this is beautiful, bud. It's it's going to be hotter. It's going to be hot. hot, hot. <laughs> uh, so, are you uh, bringing on people that were at the Trask Auditorium shows in '94, '96, bringing them on for special interviews this week to talk about their memories of Freddie Jones Band and the Connells and uh, Oh man, Double I, Maggot Brain and all that great stuff. I I probably should have thrown that out there. There's no doubt. <laughs> An oral oral history of 90s panic. (laughs) I cannot imagine what it sounded like. That is the most, that is the boomiest room. I I mean, it is a concrete rectangular box, and it is, I cannot imagine what it sounded like in there um, back then. My first show was in 97, so I I missed out on on that fun. What was your first show? It was Walnut Creek, 97. They opened with Gradle. Yeah, and, uh, I think Diane Man was probably in there. It's fourth or fifth uh, turn at that point. Seven twelve. Is that a uh, is that yeah. Gibdroll or Gibdroll was the night before? Right? No, I think maybe Warren. Gibdroll and old government mule there too. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was both of them, as I remember. It was burned in my. So this, uh, I was a dishwasher at that time. I was sixteen, and. Um, the guys, uh, some waitress's boyfriend what, happened to be a taper. So I went to this show and then came back and was washing dishes the next day or the following day. And uh, 
she's like, here's the tape, kid. And I'm like, here's the tape? Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I kind of knew the culture was there, but I'm like, how did you get this so fast? And I, you know, and I wore that thing out, man. And uh, yeah, it may be the same version that's on Panic Stream, but I can, if I listen to that Panic Stream, it does, it takes me, it's, I listen to it so much. It's one of those things that transports me back immediately to the smell, yeah. um, you know, just where I was in my, my life. It was pretty cool. But I think that hooked me in. Like that was a big part. Like mm-hmm. I listened to it almost instantly. And back then that wasn't the case that you could get it that quickly unless you knew a taper, which I didn't. I just didn't know I did anyway. <laughs> but, uh, do you have other, is there, do you have another memory besides, is that the one? Like if you had to say like, what's the, what's the one panic memory that, that stands out? If you could go back and relive or. There's there there's a couple man there, you know the the Halloween um, you know long cool woman Soul Kitchen was that two thousand or two thousand yeah that was two thousand I think that's probably ranked up there as certainly mm-hmm. some of the best shows that they they ever did or at least set list that one stands out I, I was a black eyed pea which was probably really one of the most unoriginal costumes uh, <laughs> at the time I think my buddy told me about it. I was like that's brilliant you get to the venue I'm like oh this is a thing like that late people do uh, there's forty of us. Um, the breaking out the waker a few years ago uh, and uh and you know the colonel bruce kind of uh zambi tributes they've been doing at the fox stand out to me um in recent memory and those walnut creek 420 shows and th- those just that whole walnut creek i was young enough to be kind of in that summer of love vibe in my head there's probably a lot of, a lot of juices flowing at that point it just stands out as just very fond times nice um, well, Bo, we know you have, we don't want to keep you all night and, and certainly I know you got a lot going on, uh, in the next few days and, um, thank you so much for, for taking the time to be with us and, and congratulations on, yeah, absolutely. I know you haven't quite gotten to the finish line. You see it, it's right there. And, uh, I hope, yeah, you get there. <laughs> I hope it goes off without a hitch. I mean, Riverfront Park is, it's, it's here to stay and it's going to be like Jeff alluded to. It will be here for decades, hopefully bringing, make, helping people create memories in this town and, and then helping to prop up our economy. But this is the start of something great. You know, Live Nation is doing a great job, and my colleagues there are doing a great job programming that room. I don't know that uh, we'll ever be able to outdo what we've done this year. And three nights of panic to open it up is super special. So I hope yeah. anyone who comes here gets there early, has a good time, and uh, also just exercises patience and understanding. I'm pretty sure. It's going to run well, but we all got to understand at the same time, not only is it new, but we've just, everyone's been out of practice from, from this line of work for a very long time. Be nice to yeah. your security guards, tip your bartenders and wait staff well. And yeah, right. I mean, let's, I, I really, you know, I mean, going to the Phillips Arena over the years, the, 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 the ushers became a, a part of that. They probably mm-hmm. were like, I want to work on that night. That crowd is fun. And I, and I really mm-hmm. hope that, that that is, you know, certainly evident for the the folks that are going to be the ushers and the bartenders, because um, there's there's no nothing better than the good people, man. I mean, we're, yeah. we're good. We're good to, our, yeah. to those Absolutely. other. Um, all right. Well, Bo, thanks so much. And again, thanks, uh, appreciate it. Congratulations yeah. and best of luck this weekend. And thank you, Harvey. Um, thank you, Jeff. Cheers. Yeah. Take care. Good thanks. luck. All right, Jeff. That was. Um, that was fun, man. Was I'm great. I'm so psyched for those guys. Uh, yeah, it's how hard I mean, they've worked. To... Building a venue, bi- building anything from scratch, but being a part of something like that that means so much to a community. Um, 
you know, being somewhat in that line of work and just, you know, trying to build community around music and like, he's done it or he's done it already now trying to help do it in a, in a bigger venue. And like, I don't know if you looked at their list of shows, but they've got like huge shows. They've got Santana and Avid brothers. And I mean, Chicago and, and some other stuff coming to Wilmington. Like there's, there's no way that those bands would have ever come, you know, anywhere remotely close to Wilmington, North Carolina without him and without the work that he and others have done. So tip of the cap to you, Bo. You would uh, make him a regular guest to talk about some uh, old school North Carolina panic, but I have a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot more about the stuff he's doing in Wilmington too. Yeah. And they've still got the, um, the smaller venue going. I look, they have a really nice schedule. They've got, uh, got going there too. So string cheese is playing a couple nights and Mm -hmm. pick something. I mean, we talked about it, but like just family friendly venues. like The idea of 10 and under free is genius. I mean, I just want to say, like, we were, we went to, um, went and saw Green Sky Bluegrass at the riverfront in Louisville, uh, which is where Billy Strings played. And it was an outdoor show. And um, I guess it was originally set up to be like socially distanced, but then it ended up being, you know, pretty, pretty loose. Right. And so there was tons of space, lots of kids there. And I was like, man, we should have brought the kids. Like, this was great. And so then this weekend, Dark Star Orchestra is playing there as well. And I was like, well, that would be fun. Like, why don't we take the kid? You know, they, we have a blanket and some chairs. And, you know, I mean, seriously, like, it's it's just a lawn. You, you know can, what I mean? You just have one blanket? Just one? No, with blankets. Oh, no, yeah, I mean, well, you bring... It's hard to be sure. So anyway, so then I go and look, and it's like the tickets are 35 bucks a piece. And it's like... <laughs> No, I'm just, you know, and now I would totally do it if I could bring my kids for free. Like I would go, I would pay 35 for each of us and we would buy drinks and, and have a good time. But it's like, I'm not going to pay, you know, what is it? Like $200 to go see dark stars. So um, anyway, I wish that was something that more places were, would consider, you know, especially when they've got a bunch of space, you know what I mean? Cause that's all like, you know, so thing, we just want to be out in public every once in a while. I think I, I was t- during during one of our breaks. I was telling my wife Jen about about that, and her response was, "It's like one of the few things that is actually for people in our age demographic." You know, it's like so everybody out, you know, is there eighteen to twenty four, and you know, you know these these key demographics, but like. That is precise. What what they're doing is precisely for people, you know, like you and me, which is, you know, we've got kids that are eight and, you know, eight and five now, eight and six. Mm-hmm. And I've got eight and two. And um, like, exactly. If that was it, if that, I mean, we've got free venues here and here in town. I mean, we've got free shows, just like everybody has free shows every once in a while. But like an actual paid show, the fact that you can take your money take the kids with and not spend money on a babysitter is a really big yeah. deal for a lot of people. So yeah. it's great. So um, kudos to, to Bo and this guys in, in Wilmington. And, and I look forward to, to seeing how that goes. And, yeah. Uh, happen to have a connection in Wilmington. Now, now I have a reason to go, go to yeah. the beach. Definitely. Do you, uh, do you have any predictions for the weekend, Harvey? Um, I, no, I mean, not specifically. I do think that they're going to, they're going to like, I think it's going to be rowdy. You know what I mean? Like, I think Red Rocks was, was, you know, and I think uh, Ted, Ted laid it out really well. It sounds like there were some really great moments, but 
it feels like that was uh, that was like professional panic, and like this weekend's going to be like rowdy panic. That's my That's, prediction. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just, it, the, the rust has been knocked off now. Mm. That they're they're going to get back in the groove, and they're going to have a highly partisan crowd in a brand, <laughs> in a brand new place and try to break it in a little bit. But yeah, just you know, I think it's going to be going to be as close to the old school as you can get i think and i think that's one of the things that's you know one of the things that was so exciting about seeing this on the schedule wasn't just the usual stuff that we expected on the tour schedule right i mean we had new obviously austin shows were carried over the napa shows were carried over we knew milwaukee was coming it was just waiting for halloween and new year's and, and so on but like to see these new see these new venues come up and see these new shows and see it in a place where panic has played you know a handful of times before in, a, in, in the heart of panic country mm-hmm. um be good stuff yeah all right well um thanks everybody for watching uh if you um, thanks for the multiple comments doyle shiver yes the last uh, seven comments in the feed so thanks to you yeah and everybody for watching we appreciate it and um you know follow us on all the different social media platforms and you know i guess we're on youtube now too so there's that if you want to subscribe and uh you know smash that subscribe button i think that's what they say we could say these days <laughs> but um yeah and you know if you're going to the shows tonight or this weekend have a great time be safe and and have some patience with those folks down there but um super excited for that and um and many thanks to to all the folks that came on tonight thanks to ted rockwell um, for coming on to break down the Red Rock stuff. And then uh, Jeff Hansen and Bo Gunn from uh, Wilmington and the Penguin. We have to have to check out the Penguin on the, uh, get the stream going during the I day. think uh, Jeff Hansen wearing a Cud to King shirt. I think we've got our guest for when we finally do the George, the George McConnell retrospective. I dig it. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks everybody again. And uh, we will, uh, We'll talk to you soon. I guess what you know. What's our should we should we commit to? I mean, we're going to do another one in between the next two. What, what comes after? After uh, is Asheville? Is Asheville is like early yeah. early August, yeah, so, right? Yep, it's that first full weekend in August. So, so maybe we'll try. We'll try and come back in between those two. And we'll we are experts in Asheville. We were just there, so we should, right. we, could talk, we could talk extensively about the greater Asheville area. Right. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, thanks everybody. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Thanks Jeff. Take care.